Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Today, SI's Brian Strauss joins me to talk about whether Manchester City has lost its mystique, whether Toronto and the New York Red Bulls can make the CONCACAF Champions League final, plus more talk on MLS expansion, Zlatan Week 2, and why the heck two CONCACAF countries announced they were supporting the World Cup 26 bid of Morocco, of all things. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss from our nation's capital. I'm here in New York, as always. Brian, how was your weekend, man? Uh, it was fine. I got nothing interesting to report. I did a little... I had a little jog. I jogged a race. You ran walked, 10 miles in a race. I walked a race. I, I wouldn't say I ran it. <laughs> you finished. I'm, Congratulations. Finished. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to... Well, I was going to say I was gonna, I'm trying to turn from a soccer player into a runner, but that's leaving out like the four years I spent like completely immobile on the sofa. <laughs> so, because for a while I didn't know what to do with my broken body. And then I decided, oh, I should run because like they give you a medal just for finishing. Um, so I've been trying to do that. And I'm okay like at the 5Ks, like at the 5K distance, mm-hmm. you can still run a little bit because soccer, like I don't know how to, I don't know how to pace, right? Right. In soccer, you're you're it's interval sprinting, and you're you're just racing after shit, and it's exciting. Um, so with the five Ks, I I, I I won my age group in a race last year. Um, I'll usually finish in like the top fifteen or twenty percent of the mm-hmm. field, which is okay. But like the ten miler, I, I was worried I was was going to get Zamboni. You know, uh, they, they they come up in the back, and if you're too slow, um, so it was like definitely a bottom twenty percent. Um, finish but they still give you a medal and a bottle of water and tell you congratulations with a smile on their face and there's next to no ridicule um but i'm I'm very sore today well congratulations on finishing the race that's not a small thing my man uh we got soccer to talk about lots of soccer these there's days there's so much there's too much soccer there's just we need a i need a break it's <laughs> and let's start with manchester city because i'm as exhausted as pep guardiola I mean, what a fascinating couple of games where Manchester City, which has gone the entire Premier League season until this past weekend with just one loss in the league, uh, loses twice in the past week, once in Champions League, 3-0 to Liverpool, once to arch-rival Manchester United after being up 2-0 in a game where a City victory would have clinched the title for them to see United come back with three goals in the second half to win 3-2, two of them from Paul Pogba, who Pep Guardiola had said the day before the game that Pogba's agent had contacted City about uh, offering Paul Pogba in January, which, if you remember, one of my insiders, in February, I reported that Mina Raiola, Paul Pogba's agent, was contacting teams in Europe and offering Paul Pogba. Um, teams in Europe, different than team across town. I said he was contacting top teams, but yes, I right, mean, this right, was like this fact, was a surprise right. that Manchester City was one of those. Right, but teams. the fact that one of the offers was like you know made with a you know with a short cab ride or or you know a, I don't know a bus trip away. I mean that's that's uh, that True. was quite something. And then Pogba, and then like Pogba, not only not only trolls City with the two goals, but trolls them with the with the blue the blue dye job. I, I assume that was for France. He got that for France duty. 
Oh, really? Oh, but it was like light blue. Maybe it faded. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really think about hair dye except for the one time my sister, my sister bleached my hair when I was like 20. Okay. It's, it's another podcast. Um, so Man City's been amazing the whole year. I thought they really had a shot to win Champions League. And it's not just the United loss. It's this Liverpool loss. 3 nothing, three goals in the first half where Liverpool just destroyed City, made their defense look really bad uh very classic Jurgen Klopp chaos reigns type game uh and even as stunning I think that Liverpool's defense anchored by Dayan Lovren uh did not concede a single goal in that game uh and now City finds themselves needing to turn around a three nothing deficit in Tuesday's second leg um has the mystique of City basically been vaporized by the past week vaporized i like that word i'm thinking of like alderaan and stuff um <laughs> I, I don't know I, I don't know if there was a mystique um they were really really good and fun to watch um but I, but i think i think we talked about this in a recent show where there's this there's this strange kind of tendency for some of these new the, these nouveau riche newcomer teams to sort of you know when the lights are brightest, when the when the Champions League and these and and these the, the season sort of gets to the to the to the sharp end. Um, there's something about pedigree uh, that that shows, and it's just really and and I think Pep said in the last day or two that you know maybe we're not ready to win Champions League. You know maybe there's more to do. You know it, it, someday we'll do it, but but it, it just it for whatever reason in this sport in this in this environment in this competition it just seems to take a really long time to sort of gather all that traction um it's also true that that pep prioritizing the champions league and having come off the loss against liverpool a few days earlier against a more rested united team sat some of his his key players de bruyne wasn't what didn't start sergio aguero didn't start for me those are their their two most dangerous dynamic attacking players um so, you know, I, I don't know if there was a mystique. Um, I think there's a difference between mystique and just a really, really talented team that's winning its games. Um, I, I think Man City, you know, had they won this weekend, if they win Champions League, um, then you start to develop a mystique. Um, I think what's really interesting for me, you know, you said sort of chaos reigns, um, is, is the fact that in both games, City was vaporized in a matter of minutes. You know, this wasn't mm -hmm. th th this wasn't um, a sustained beating over 90 minutes or a sustained struggle over 90 minutes. Liverpool scored three goals in like 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. Pogba scored twice in like two minutes. So it's like if you if, if you if you're able to sort of put City on its heels, um, you know, here's a team that's not used to being on the back foot. Right. Here's a team that's used to having the ball. That's not used to chasing um, that 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 maybe isn't the best defending certain you know longer balls or set pieces things like that if you're able to bypass them and get it get at the heart of them quickly they just crumbled and they crumbled totally and completely and fast in both games and they couldn't undo the damage done in 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 15 minutes in 20 minutes in two minutes by paul pogba and then and, and their 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 swagger just kind of disintegrates um so that to me is what's really really interesting um and you could see, you know, you could see uh, against Liverpool in, in the second leg um, that that with 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 the wrong turnover, with 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 a misplay in back, um, you know, with with a 
you know, if if they have a lot of the ball and then and then it, it goes the other way and Liverpool is able to, 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 to snatch one, you can kind of see that happening again. So they're used to dominating the game and dominating the ball. And in those moments where they didn't, things sort of fell apart. And it shows, I think, that there's not a mystique and that Pep's got to continue to work to build one. I mean, the only thing I would say is when you look at the Premier League table and the records that City can still set for uh, points in a season, um, like that's when I sort of come back to, you know, there there may be this is a really special team. Sure. Uh, and so that's why I say mystique, because I, I, I and I don't think it's totally gone because they lost two games to English teams in the last week. But. I guess that I was just stunned at what Liverpool was able to do. And a lot of this gets back to Jurgen Klopp having uh, basically the best record of any manager who's played Pep Guardiola a number of times against him. Did you see uh, there, there was I saw something, maybe it was Mr. Chip or some, someone someone like that tweeted that it was the first time in Pep's entire career that he lost a game after having a two goal lead at halftime against against Man United. Huh. Um, and in terms of Klopp. What I would, what I would, what I maybe we're defining the word mystique differently, but what I would argue is that what we've seen, if there's mystique, it's 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 a Champions League night at Anfield undoing Man City. That's the mystique. It's 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 Jose Mourinho apparently telling Manchester United in the locker room. You know, Pogba said, "You don't want to be the clowns watching them lift <laughs> the trophy." They go out and they win three to two. That's mystique. Liverpool and Manchester United. Have uh, have a century of of you know of history aura, of aura about them yeah. and and Man City is Man City is is awesome and amazing to watch and they're going to win the win the Premier League easily and I wouldn't write them off uh, I wouldn't write them off um, on uh, on Tuesday against Liverpool I wouldn't write them off but I think that what they found over these past two games interestingly is what happens when the new the new power goes up against the team with mystique. I think there's I think there's something to that and I think Man City still has some time to go even when even as they start to accumulate trophies before they have a mystique like United Liverpool and some of the other blue bloods in Europe. All that said, I still think of the four Champions League quarterfinals, the one that actually has a shot at being City, overturned yeah. is City Liverpool. No question. Because I know it's three goals and I know City didn't get an away goal. But do you think City's capable of scoring three goals, four goals, five goals against Liverpool? I do. Sure. I mean, that, that game in January, what was that, four to three? I mean, yeah. I mean, this could turn into a track meet. Um, and, uh, and absolutely it could happen. And, and, and look, it's relative, right? I mean, you, you're saying it's the most likely to be turned around. That's because the other three, I mean, Bayern's only got a one-goal lead over Sevilla, but they're going back to Munich, and that's just hard to imagine them throwing that away. Um, and then Madrid and Barcelona are, are, are home free. Um, yawn. Yeah, you're really bothered by this, man. Like, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scores one of the great goals any of us will ever see against Juventus. Real Madrid basically destroys Juventus. Very, very impressive performance. And Brian Strauss says yawn. Great highlight. A, a, great, <laughs> a great performance. But I want to see competitive games. I should expect, I should, ex- not, not like, I mean, I'm, I watch them. I'm not paying to get in, right? I'm not, like, I, I'm complaining about free soccer right now. It's like when people complain about how The Simpsons isn't as funny as it used to be. It's, it's free. Um, 
But I can't you think we would get competitive games in the Champions League quarterfinals? At what stage of the competition can we start to expect some competitive games? Tell me when. Here's what I would say to that is uh, Bayern went down a goal at Sevilla before they scored two. So that's sort of competitive, Brian. Okay, it's sort of competitive. Uh, I would also say that Roma, despite the scoreline, what was it, 4-1? 4-1, Barcelona, that Roma actually didn't play badly. Um, I watched that game. Um, and, and Barcelona, you know, had some, uh, some more own goal help and Barcelona's playing very well right now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't come away from it saying yawn necessarily. I was exhilarated by what Liverpool did to City. You weren't? I just think it's a different... Yes, it was it was it was an exciting performance. It was. But it's crazy also that here we are having a conversation about the fact that the most competitive second leg is the one where there's already a three goal <laughs> separation. You know, I mean, it's just not a ton of tension going into this week's games. And and so I, I yes, there those are two different things, a performance like what Ronaldo did or a surprise like what Liverpool did. Those are also reasons to watch. And I get it. And that's and that's great. I love soccer and I'm going to watch it. But it's also part of the continuing narrative uh, in European uh, in, in the European game right now that there's just a, a, a greater and greater separation between a handful of super clubs and everybody else. Well, uh, I'm also seeing the semifinals, and we're looking at Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, and Liverpool. Right. So, so maybe that's when we start getting competitive games. So, I so real quick. So we've talked we've talked a couple times, uh, or we talked recently about the NCAA tournament. And and your 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 past as a college basketball writer. So my best friend here in D.C. is a Barcelona socio. Um, his his mother and his entire mother's side of his family is Spanish. Um, and uh, we, I had dinner with him last night, and we were chatting about is it finally going to happen? Is the Madrid Barcelona Champions League final finally going to happen? Yeah. And and he like he just turned kind of pale, you know, and he's just like no. <laughs> I don't, you know, he doesn't, he didn't want it. Like, like he, they've played each other in the semis. They've done the home and home against each other a couple times in the semis. And he just, he just sort of said like a, a final between the two teams would almost be sort of too big. It, it, and, 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 and the consequences and the repercussions would be almost too much. And I feel like <laughs> during the NCAA tournament, somebody asked Mike Krzyzewski about, maybe I'm, maybe I'm hallucinating this or it's a fever dream, but like somebody asked him about like what would happen if Duke, North Carolina played each other in the final four, like, like what would, what would actually, and he just said it would be, it would be too difficult. He's almost, (laughs) he's almost hopes it never happens because losing that would be so overpowering and devastating to, to whichever side fell that, that it would almost be too much to handle. Um, and so anyway, I, I thought of that when we were having this conversation, but it could happen. A Barcelona, Real Madrid champions league final, and, and we've had an all-English final, we've had an all-German final, and we've had an all-Italian final, and it's just kind of nuts that the two dominant teams in the sport haven't met at that stage yet. I mean, I, I guess what I would say also is I would love to see that, and I would prefer to see that now than when Mourinho was coaching Real Madrid and Guardiola was coaching Barcelona, because that was ugly. That was just horrible. The rivalry had a different tone then, didn't it? At least, at least to the, at least to us across the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's more respect now. You've got your RPK writing about how he's got this WhatsApp group with 
the other players from the national team, including Real Madrid guys. And, and, you know, I don't think you're seeing, you know, guys like Mourinho trying to gouge out the eye of, uh, what was it, Villanova? Like that, he tried to do that one time? Yeah, Mourinho's about, yeah. Um, you know, it was just a really nasty edge when Mourinho was the Real Madrid coach. So I would, I would love to see it, um, you know. I mean, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Kiev's a little odd, but yes, <laughs> um, you know, um, it's about as neutral as you can get. Far enough. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm convinced now that Real Madrid. Like I thought they, I actually said Juve should be favored against Real Madrid. I was an idiot. Um, Madrid killed them at that's, Juventus. That's and that and it's weird to say this because Juve's got like a ton of mystique too, but there's no mystique like Madrid and Europe mystique. There just isn't. And Ronaldo on the big stage mystique. It's just they they it's this intangible thing that idea concept that somehow takes shape on the field when that team plays in Europe. I I, I am never going to bet against Real Madrid in Europe. Just won't. I mean, they're they're not going to win every time, but I'm not going to bet against them. The other thing I would say about that Ronaldo moment, which made it so special for me, was seeing the instant standing ovation he got from the Juventus fans like the second it happened and it's so rare to see that happen at the highest level or anywhere you know I I will always consider it one of my luckiest most fortunate moments that I was in the stadium at Old Trafford for the Real Madrid United game in 2003 in Champions League where Ronaldo Fenomeno Brazilian Ronaldo had a hat trick, came off in like the 65th minute and got a standing ovation from the Old Trafford fans. Wasn't there a um, wasn't there a game where Ronaldinho got a, got applauded at, at the Bernabeu? Yes, oh uh, so. five. Okay, so um, yeah, so right, but we remember the times it happened. Yes, that was a very very cool moment. Um, I mean, R- Ronaldo. You know, I, I still think that I still think that Messi technically is the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but Ronaldo's ability to to shape a moment to his whims is is insane, and it, it, you have to you have to bow down to it. It really is remarkable. Don't sleep on that Cristiano Ronaldo guy. He's an up and cover. <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about Concacaf Champions League because it's actually more competitive. Heck, it's, it's a heck more competitive. It's more competitive than UEFA Champions yes, League. The looking glass. Brian Strauss is not yawning at CONCACAF Champions League. What do you think, man? We got here 3-1 Toronto over Club America in Toronto in leg one. Then Chivas won New York Red Bull 0 down in Guadalajara. Uh, both MLS teams in a position to challenge to advance to the final. Yeah. What world is this? The question, the question is, and and they've been here before, and, and that's the, you know when we keep talk. You and I have talked about this, and obviously have read a lot on sort of, you know, MLS turning a corner. But but MLS has been here several times. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can think of several occasions where MLS had two semifinalists and no finalists. Um, so. The, the, the point is, as you said, that both teams have a very good shot. And I, I don't know who's got a better shot. I mean, you know, Toronto's got the two-goal lead but has have to go to the Azteca. Um, and the Red Bulls have a one-goal deficit but get to go get to go home to Red Bull Arena and just score a couple goals against, yes, a, a Liga MX team, a, a, a decent one but not a great one by any stretch of the imagination. 
Um, so I don't know who's got the better shot. I don't know who I'd rather be uh, going into Tuesday night's games. But it's not impossible that we could see uh, both teams go through, uh, which would which would which would be a turning point. That would be remarkable. And this is a doubleheader, by the way. So Tuesday at eight, Tuesday right. at ten, um, Eastern, uh, and Univision Deportes has it. Go ninety has it in English. Uh, I would rather be Toronto. I think anytime you have three goals and a two goal advantage going into the second leg, no matter where it's being played, I would take that. Uh, it's not an insurmountable lead, and America did get an away goal. So I I just think that if Toronto plays somewhat close to how they did against Tigres in the second leg down there, they should be fine. Um, and they left early, right? They 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 left several days ago. Yeah. Um, to get to get to Mexico City and acclimatize, and um and that that speaks to their, you know their their investment their priorities and their 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 dedication to, to to making a go of this and that's that's cool um it's also been interesting the way that vanny has you know I, I feel like marsh someone will correct me i'm sure but I, I i feel like marsh has rested his his regulars more frequently than vanny has you know yeah. vanny's yeah. been trying to get them playing games together and marsh's approach has been to to to, to keep them fresh for these Champions League games, and, and look, they're both working. So, I mean, they're both they're both here at this point. Like we said, with a with a halfway decent chance of going through. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Would you rather see a Would you rather see a Toronto New York Champions League final, or 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 is that in a way almost strangely anticlimactic? As 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 much fun as their playoff series was last year, as ludicrous at times as it was. Um, or, or or does it have to end with with an MLS team against a Mexican team? You know, for for the trophy. I'm fine um, either way. I think it would be fun to see Toronto, New York, uh, especially if you still have the U.S. Canadian kind of angle there. I suppose on some level. Yeah, and also too. I mean, like I that just would guarantee that an MLS team finally wins this thing and gets to go to the FIFA Club World Cup. And I'd like to see that happen. I'm you know, I don't think that compromises me by saying that. Um, maybe it does. Um, We're all compromised. But, you know, I, I, I look at that Chivas Red Bulls game and the one that's coming up, I think one question I have is how many Chivas fans are going to be in Red Bull arena? Um, cause... Well, yeah, there was that amazing quote by their coach, right? And he said, we're, we're the home team wherever we go or something like that. Like that's, <laughs> that's swagger. And, you know, you look at, I guess that the way that game played out down in Guadalajara, you know, I thought, not so bad for the Red Bulls to come out just down one. Um, you know, mistake by Tyler Adams leads to the Chivas goal, but then Chivas didn't score the rest of the way. I, I thought there was a situation where the Red Bulls were getting CONCACAFed um, at one point um, on a couple of dubious moments uh, from the referees, but also just from what Chivas was doing on the field. But lo and behold, CONCACAF comes back and issues a two-game suspension right. to Good the shout. throat grabber. Yes. Yep. And so it's hard to say that the Red Bulls got CONCACAF. It's almost it's almost like there's some some law and order in this confederation now. <laughs> we don't know how to handle this. Well, that, and that was the thing. Like the reason I'm equivocating a bit about who I who which position I I'd rather be is cuz I'm I'm thinking just all the bullshit that happens <laughs> at the Azteca. Like I'm just like how many times have we seen an MLS team go down to Mexico with a shot and there's insanity. There's just some kind of insanity. And there's always kind of that late, there's something about 
like the last 15, 10, 15 minutes of these games in Mexico where we've seen over and over, you know, it's just because of the altitude and the energy and, 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 and the environment and obviously that the skill, um, you know, you can only hold out for so long. And we've seen some teams kind of crumble dramatically, you know, Man City style uh, under, under the onslaught of, of wacky decisions and laser pointers and, and <laughs> strange strange fluids and cups being thrown at guys um which we know all about so um you know but again this toronto team is just built differently and and is and is deep and well coached and and full of veterans and they showed that against tigris and it's kind of amazing it's kind of amazing that we're we're even having this conversation um and that we're we could be 180 minutes away from a from an all mls ccl final I am looking forward to Tuesday night, uh, CONCACAF Nights, man. That was my suggested uh, album. And I was, That's right. I, That's on Twitter, right. I was searching for album covers from people and got a, a really cool submission uh, from a guy as well. Um, moving on, MLS, uh, a few topics to talk about here. One is expansion. And you wrote a story for SI.com last week um, about the current expansion situation you are the authority in the world on mls expansion brian do you realize this no that's weird to think about well it can't be true it can't be true um it is true uh you have written more about mls expansion than anybody i know you're connected to all these that's probably true that's probably the volume but i (laughs) what i may lack in quality i have have, uh, attributed in volume it is the key it is the gift that keeps on giving and this is the thing is like so much of it is there are so many fast moving kind of tiny little parts uh-huh. that if, if, like if my job was to write, you know, like fortune cookie fortunes, <laughs> you know, and I just had to write like like two sentences a day, I could write about expansion 10 times a day. Um, I could write about it so much more frequently than I do just because you hear shit and there's little, you know, and, and if people wanted to read about the minutia of Cincinnati school board meetings, um, <laughs> we could cover that. Let us know. Fill our inboxes. Um, but a, no, a big a big step for Cincinnati this week. I mean, I mean, it's sort of been this strange. I mean, we we all thought, um, you know, that that you know, early January that Cincinnati was kind of a fait accompli, um, and and then it's dragged and dragged and dragged. Um, and this was really about them getting getting the stadium that they really wanted, that the league really wanted. Um, and they took a huge step forward uh, on Friday, reaching a deal um, with, uh, I don't know the, the dynamics of the Cincinnati City Council, but this this particular councilman apparently has, um, you know, his support was thought to be uh, absolutely crucial um, to opening up the votes that they needed to, to, to get this agreement to build on this West End site, which is a downtown site in between um, the University of Cincinnati, where they currently play, and then the river and the the professional stadiums to the south. So it, it, they wanted to be there. The league wanted them to be there, um, and they and they took the perhaps the, the most significant step forward toward making that happen on Friday. So things could still go wrong. They usually do. Um, <laughs> you know, Miami starting from scratch again. I mean, it, it, it's you never know. But um, uh, yeah, it looks like Cincinnati is in is in pole position uh, by quite some distance right now. So when could we see a formal announcement that Cincinnati is in and it are Sacramento and Detroit, are, are they too far behind now to, to have much of a shot in this round? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, 
probably, but this round is also a lot of the things that MLS says to kind of try to help us all make sense of it are just and, and this is not to accuse them. They're 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 not the league isn't being uh you know purposefully, deliberately evasive on this. They're just trying to sort of, you know, figure out ways to you gotta set deadlines, you know, but at the same time you you can't have deadlines be so draconian that uh, you know, no one can beat them and you wind up cutting off your own nose to spite your face. So they're, they're trying to find that balance. Um, you know, they, I obviously they did not expect Detroit to pivot to Ford Field. Um, they they weren't, you know, they thought that Sacramento's investment group was more robust than it was. Um, so so things happen and it's a dynamic situation. So if if Cincinnati can can get a formal vote by the city council um, and then approval by the school board, which is required because they're building on they, they're going to be replacing a, a, a public school stadium that they're going to rebuild like down the street. Um, you know, if they can get those things and sign those agreements, then, yeah, I would think a formal announcement could come. And I have no idea how long that shit takes. So, you know, whenever that's done, I would expect a, a formal announcement. And this is the thing. If Sacramento a week later, a month later, gets a billionaire to buy in, then I don't think I, it's hard for me to see MLS saying, OK, well, now we're going to wait another two years. Like, I just don't I don't see that happening. So that's why I'm kind of it's not necessarily around. I think it, it, I mean, if, if Sacramento gets that investor and is ready, um, then I think that they would they would be told that they're coming in as well. And their stadium, if they started building next week, they could have their stadium done by 2020 which would be sooner probably than some of the others. So um, everything I'm reading is that is that very Yeah. Everything I'm reading is that Ron Burkle is the most likely investor out in Sacramento. Um, I always remember Ron Burkle as like Bill Clinton's travel buddy post presidency. Like Ron Burkle was always like, you know, creating hijinks and Bill Clinton was always in tow and oh my god we totally want bill clinton's wingman in mls <laughs> oh my god <laughs> can you imagine oh we need to make this happen um i i have an issue with burkle only because he's a he's a part owner of of the pittsburgh penguins and and for those of you who <laughs> know me or follow me on twitter or, or you will know that that i hate them i i mean my, all of my sports fan all, all of the, 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 the deep, visceral, bile-inducing hatred that I have as a sports fan is funneled 100% into the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I, the, the Pittsburgh the, – the Pengu- I have nothing against Pittsburgh the city. I'm fine with the other teams. But the, the Penguins' taint on Burkle is strong. Um, so I would love to see Sacramento in MLS. They, they deserve it. They, they've worked for it. They've got – the stadium ready to go they've got a great brand they've got a, a great fan base but eh, yeah <laughs> i can hear the angst um Peng- penguins taint um are, are, we used to have like a, a clean podcast by the way <laughs> i don't think we did i think i think you're wishing that was true but i don't think it is you know um, it's still and there are other i want to be clear on this i mean burkle burkle is the only one who, who whose name has been um, you know, wh- whose name is out there on the record. There are, there are others. Burkle yeah. is not the only person Sacramento is talking to. Um, and he is not the only person they're talking to who, who has ties in other major 
uh, pro sports around the country. So, um, you know, those those are not names that have been shared or shared on the record. But, um, you know, they have they have and they're looking to get the right guy and the league is supporting them in their search. And, you know, I, I don't think that they are going to just just pack it in and shut down if Cincinnati gets this thing signed in the next few weeks. Um, I think everyone at Sacramento is pretty confident that if they land the right investor that they'll get in. Let's move a little faster through the last couple topics here. We've got MLS and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Huge, huge coverage of Zlatan all week after his amazing debut performance. Uh, doing a lot of media, meeting a lot of uh, sports stars from other sports in the LA area, and not quite the same result in game two for Zlatan. He comes on once again with a two-goal deficit, but Kansas City ends up winning by two goals at LA Galaxy. Um, you know, we're not going to do this game by game as the year goes on with Zlatan, but... Um, I don't know. It depends, it depends on how many people download the podcast when we talk about Zlatan. <laughs> Zlatan, the huge bust. What a bust he is. <laughs> you know, Download and review. He actually, he, well, he actually, you know, had a positive impact when he came in. They had chances. They hit the woodwork millions of times in this game. Uh, But Kansas City still deserved to win, in my opinion. And I think one question we've got, and Ibrahimovic was asked this last, after the game, was how close is he to starting? And, And the impression we're getting is not that close. Is that a concern? Um, I mean, it's a concern if they are, you know, down two goals every time he comes in the game. Um, that's a concern. I mean, Siggy's got work to do there. That's clear. I mean, Legit didn't start last night either. And, and I think he's a really, really vital player. Um, someone who, you know, someone who Bruce Arena, for example, um, thought would, was, a, was a potential World Cup starter. Um, so so Legit is a guy who can make an impact. Um, and, you know, still got to work out how the Dos Santos brothers are going to fit in. So there's work to do there. It's MLS. What you do before August, <laughs> eh, yawn, um, <laughs> yawn podcast. So no, I I I think I don't think it's a huge concern. I think I agree with you. He injected energy. He gives defenders so much to think about when he's on the field. Um, there's a bit of franticness. Is that a word? Um, yeah. Associated with with the game anyway, because they're at home and they're down by two, and they're 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 gonna they're gonna open things up a little bit. Um, so I'm sure Zlatan is, is saying, look, you know, I'm going to do what I can to get fit. But in the meantime, you know, trying to get try not to get like turned inside out by Scottish journeymen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so I've got I've got to score twice again and, and save your asses. Um, sporting Kansas City, who wears all black now, by the way, yeah, they're all black in every game. So they're one of, I think, six or seven teams in MLS. <laughs> To wear all black or all dark gray. What's funny is that when NYCFC came in, Kansas City was pissed about the light blue, and they were like, "That's our thing." And I guess it's not. I guess I guess they don't wear it anymore because um, they want to look like DC United because everybody worships Washington. Um, I, I think also it's worth me pointing out here. Not only are you the world's foremost authority on MLS expansion, you're the world's foremost authority on MLS kits. Well, complainer at least. Although you know, now that I'm saying this, I'm, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm. I mean, they let NYCFC wear light blue at Sporting Park. Like that's that's really? sacrilege. I'm saying, I'm saying this every time you have an opinion about something like this in public, 
it's like you find out later that, well, yeah, we're wearing black because we donated all of our blue jerseys to a team of like orphaned cancer survivors <laughs> who love dogs and the troops. <laughs> you know? So, so I'm sure there's a – but anyway, wear your damn colors. All right, back to Kansas City. Um, you know, two years ago, uh, there was a point where I thought Peter – I was really, really impressed with what Peter had built at, at Kansas City. Um, he, he, had, he had demonstrated sort of a – there was a self-sustaining component to what he'd been doing because he was able to replace some parts and bring new guys in, you know, tweak the way they were playing. They were all frenzy, all press. Um, you know, then then they were sort of defensive. Then the, I mean, he even built a team that was very good in possession. Um, they've always had some issues finishing, um, but but the, he had shown an ability to adapt and shown an ability to 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 find new guys to replace departed players. You know, a guy moves on, a guy's sold. Um, he's able to kind of tweak the team. He he built uh, not built. He helped develop some 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 key U.S. national team guys. He helped guys move on to bigger clubs. I was just impressed with him. And then, and then you started to see this trend, though, of them falling on their face at the end of a season um, to the extent where I, I looked at the stat last year. It was like like in, 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 in the last 10 regular season games plus playoffs and like in over four years consecutively, Kansas City had won only like a quarter of those games. And, and they'd lost in the knockout round four straight years. So it looks like Kansas City has solved some of its defensive issues they were having early on in the season. They've got some guys like Johnny Russell, the Scottish journeyman, who, who look who look good. Um, but I'm just not I'm not going to get on the sporting hype train. Yes, they're in first place, but until until they can show me again that they can do it in October um, and November and, and not sort of have the wheels come off at the end of a season, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, stay uh, stay stable or conservative in my my praise of them. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, ever since they won the title in 2013. Uh, you know, we haven't seen them perform well at all in the postseason. Um, I want to ask about VAR, Video Review, uh, which had a pretty big impact on the LAFC Atlanta game. Ended up being 5 nothing in the end for Atlanta. But VAR, two huge moments in this game where McCann for Atlanta had been given a red card, and this was the first time we've ever seen VAR and MLS overturn a red card that ended up getting changed to a yellow so he stays on the field. And then VAR giving a penalty to Atlanta that uh, led to this game being broken open. Now, Bob Bradley wasn't thrilled afterward. Um, VAR, man, what do you think? I really don't want to think about it, but I'm going to have to, aren't I? <laughs> you really don't like this, do you? you like, and, and you are convinced, as I am, that VAR is going to be a disaster at the World Cup not because it's a bad design, but because the people who are implementing it aren't going to have nearly enough experience, and that will be the problem, the people, not the idea. I, I, it's, just, it's just the kind of thing where, I, I, I guess, refereeing, it's, I just find it to be a boring topic, and I find it boring when people make referees the topic and when people obsess over referees and decisions and you know the amount of debate people have on Twitter about was it a penalty was it a handball was it not and everybody has an opinion and no one's going to change their opinion and and we just scream at each other back and forth about it and 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 I guess yeah I just know like I said to you before we started it's like when people talk about the weather and I'm just like but well, there's weather every day it's just not interesting <laughs> like unless unless it really is unless like you know 
there's a tsunami and it's interesting. And but yet, otherwise, but yet, whether it's silly or not, I just don't want to talk about it. And 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 all we're going to talk about this summer is 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 the is the goddamn VAR. And I'm just I'm dreading it. I'm dreading it. But we acknowledge that that's probably going to be the case at the World right. Cup. Right? No, you're right. I agree with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be a total shit show. I just <laughs> just not the shit show that. Like I have so many other ideas for the kinds of shit show that I want to see in Russia. You know, there's there's an endless an endless permutation of potential shit shows, and and I'm just really not intrigued by one that's about about VAR. But I agree with you. It's going to be. How, I mean, how was how was the penalty on Portland? How was that called? You know. <laughs> Dom, like, and I'm pro. I'm the most pro. I'm the most biased pro striker guy there is. Like, I, I, I pretty much always take the side of the forward, especially the littler forward. And and Dwyer just bounced off a guy. And 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 this VAR is exactly designed to 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 reverse that call. And was it not used? You know what happened? Maybe then, there's too much purple smoke. Maybe Mark. Maybe there was a ton, and then Merritt goes off on Twitter, and everybody <laughs> freaks out, and this is the conversation, and it's just. Oh, Speaking oh. of which, on the next Planet Football podcast, Merritt Paulson will be on. What a get! Yes. <laughs> We had the interview actually a few days ago, so we aren't going to be getting into the Orlando hijinks, but it's still a good interview and I think everyone will enjoy it. Uh, are, you, are you interested in the topic or are you just preparing yourself for it to be a topic? Bar? Yeah. I mean... Like you, you want to talk about it? Do you want to write about it? Is this a... Am I wrong that I'm just like, I just wish it would go away? We'll see where I am once Russia hits... Um, you know, I was really interested when I talked to Howard Webb about it on the podcast last year, where here's like the guy in charge of it in North America, a really interesting guy when he talks about how it was going to be used. And he had me very excited for video review. And for the most part last year, I thought it it worked pretty well in MLS. Um, I think in leagues, I'm supportive of the idea of VAR run well by competent people. But I, I certainly don't hope it's not one of the main topics that we're talking about every freaking game. I'm worried it will be. That's the thing. And I and I agree. Like I, I'm always I'm a get the call right person and 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 but that that's the case for so many things in life, right? Well if it was done if it was used the right way by competent people, then just look where we'd be. And and <laughs> And it never, it never happens, you know, and I'm sure people are saying the same thing about this podcast. <laughs> Let's finish up with another thing you wrote about last week. You were a busy man writing last week on SI.com. This is the World Cup 26 bid news that two CONCACAF countries, Dominica and St. Lucia, their governments, not their FAs, but their governments announced they were supporting Morocco against the unified bid of usa mexico canada um that's not supposed to happen but no it's not uh, (laughs) so what the hell happened you you have i mean i I don't want to say anything i mean (laughs) (laughs) yes you do these are two countries these are two countries i'm sure they're lovely but these are two countries uh, with a combined population of around a quarter <laughs> of a million people, um, and I don't know, I don't know what sort of people run their governments or work in their governments, and it's not like we have anything to brag about, at, at, you know, either. Um, but you know, one of the one someone said that this it was they were supporting Morocco because of like 
some scholarships. You know, Morocco awarded some scholarships, and huh. and and then the the the, the, the minister—I don't remember which was which—but the minister said something about how she she appreciated Morocco's like environmental sustainability, and they had you know they were looking to sort of do the same thing. So we want them to host a World Cup, and if you <laughs> figure out what the connection between those two things is, then then you're smarter than me. Um, so, but you, 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 the distinction you made is exactly the right one. These are, these are, these are politicians. These are governments, um, which could be accused, uh, of, of putting pressure on their FAs, um, to vote for, uh, Morocco as the world cup host. And that is, that is against the rules of FIFA. That is government interference in an FA's business. It's not supposed to happen. CONCACAF is obviously very aware of this and not happy about it and is going to, have the conversations that need to be had. Now, CONCACAF isn't technically going to coerce anyone to vote either, but a conversation between an FA and the regional governing body is a lot different than the conversation between an FA uh, and a government. Um, the other interesting thing that came out was that France um, has has put their support behind Qatar. Uh, Qatar. <laughs> Freudian slip. Ah. Um and 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 obviously, look, there's 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 cultural ties there, linguistic ties. It's a hell of a lot easier for 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 French people to go to Morocco than it is to come all the way to the U.S. But again, interesting that that a power in the game, um, you know, a, a country that we have, that, you know, we don't have linguistic as many linguistic ties and cultural ties with them. But you know, you would think, you know, the the Western liberal industrialized democracies might kind of stick together. Um, but, uh, that's not happening. So and that's know, French's, that, that's France's FA, not their that's France's FA, right. To, totally legit for them to announce that support and the votes will be public, of course. So we'll find out afterward who voted for whom, but, but, you know, are there other European, are, are there other, other, other potential fault lines in Europe? Are there other potential weak points in Europe, um, where, uh, the United bid folks are going to have to try to make some progress, uh, over the next couple months before this election? Um, I, I, I think, it's a lot easier to imagine someone just telling the FA at St. Lucia, look, don't listen to the minister of whatever, you know, you're voting for, for the US, Mexico and Canada. Um, France's position, a global, a global power in the game may have more influence negatively. So that I think that's just as interesting. So here's what I would tell people to keep an eye on. Uh, you've got the technical committees for our FIFA this week visiting this week to the United States for a few days or the combined North American bid for a few days and then to Morocco for a few days. Um, there seems to be a real belief among the Moroccans that FIFA really wants this world cup to be in North America, not in Morocco. And that it's possible that the FIFA committee could actually rule Morocco out just saying they don't have the ability to do this. Um, and I think in some ways the Moroccans are almost acting like they have this fatalist view that this is going to happen. And so they're already sort of calling foul. Um, that would certainly remove some of the uncertainty around. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, it almost, you'd almost like the United bids chances better if they didn't have to deal with the weirdness that happens in an election where all of a sudden, you know, who knows, who knows, maybe the. Maybe the foreign minister for St. Lucia like has a cousin at the FA and then all of a sudden shit really gets weird. Right. So it's like, you know, you almost you almost think the United bids best hope is the technical committee who can go to who will go. They're going to be in um, Mexico City 
Atlanta, Toronto, and New York uh, this week. Those will be the four sites they visit um, in the United Bid countries. Um, and then they'll head to Morocco next week. Um, and yeah, you almost hope that they get to Morocco and they're like, you can't do this. You, you, you can't host 48 teams in a country that, that has only, what, I think four stadiums at the moment that fit specifications for early round World Cup games. Um, I could be wrong, but I, it's around there. And they say, you know, we're not going to have after all the after all the, the terrible PR FIFA has has faced that they're not going to be in position of green lighting a, a, a whatever a fourteen billion dollar expenditure on on you know football stadiums and infrastructure for a World Cup, yeah. um, as opposed to one that's turnkey uh, somewhere else and one that will make them more money. Um, the the difference in ticket and TV revenue between the two is is substantial. Yeah. Um, the things that Morocco, the things that Morocco has to offer, obviously, it's it's far more compact, far easier to get around. Um, and a thing I, I'm sure it's been mentioned to both of us, but they are really pushing on the time zone aspect. They're really they're they're telling countries in Europe, Africa, and Asia that you'll get more money for the TV rights because the games will be on much more watchable times for people in your countries. And so that's another thing they're pushing. Um, at least, at least on the record, obviously off the record, there's a lot more stuff they can talk about. <laughs> I will we're say not, this. I've been, we're not the world's favorite country right now. I went to Morocco in 2010 on vacation and had a wonderful time. Yep. Um, awesome. I, took, I took a cooking course uh, and learned how to make tagine and bestia uh, to very good Moroccan dishes. Of course you did. Of course you went and took a cooking course. I went and got lost and got sick. And you went and you took a cooking course. I can't think of anything that sums up the two of us better. <laughs> On that note, let's call it a week. Enjoyed the conversation as always. Let's do it again next time around. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on Amazon with a free seven-day trial now. Recent guests include Becky Sauerbrunn, Stuart Holden, and Joshua Robinson. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.